Welcome to today's interview with Jamie Hui. Jamie, thank you for joining us. I'm sure this is going to be an awesome conversation. So um, why don't you just take a moment by introducing yourself and, um, and just letting us know a bit about you know, your background and your history with the organization. Uh, so, okay, so I am born and raised in San Francisco, California, um, United States, obviously. Um, and I was, my parents uh, were super into it as a child. So as I was a child, um, I grew up going door to door as soon as I could walk. I've been going preaching since I was in my mother's belly. And they were always very studious with me. Um, so I've been reading the Bible ever since I could read my book of Bible stories. Uh, um, and when I got older and became a teenager, we started reading the, um, the book for the youths about dating and about everything like that. So I was very, very invested. It's all I ever knew. I would even preach at school because um, I was told to. Um, the first time I preached in school, I was in, I was six years old, and I gave a tract to my my a paradise tract to my teacher and told her that the world was ending and that I loved her so much and I wanted to save her life. Um, and aside from that, I would preach to um, two other classmates that I, I grew up since I was um, in kindergarten, and I was just so so confident about what I knew and that I wanted nothing more than to save my friends you know um, I was so confident that I had the knowledge of the entire world and that I should share this with everyone because you know we got to save everyone <laughs> so it sounds like you were a very confident kid with it because some some of us and myself included I started off confident up to around the age of six and then it was very much like oh I'll, I'll just kind of sneak out of the school assemblies and I'll hope no one really notices it much. And so, but you were one of the like, real confident, zealous children by the sounds of it. Yeah, it, I definitely was um, because I was, uh, just my parents' teaching was so strict. Um, we also grew up in the, in the Cantonese congregation actually for a majority of my life. Um, when I got to my teen years, we uh, started supporting the Mandarin group. So we switched to Mandarin and they had me learn Mandarin um, for that as well. And I also believe it has a lot to do with Chinese culture. Um, I'm Chinese, but um, Asian culture is very strict as it is. So it's very, um, everything your parents say is, is correct and we, we must follow. And so whatever teachings was implemented at, in the meetings, they would double it at, at home. Um, and I just ever, you know, wanted to be a, a good daughter to my parents. And I am the only child, so there was a lot of pressure on me. Um, I didn't even choose to get baptized on my own, actually. Um, I, I didn't really come to that decision really ever. It was until the only other young person in my hall, she got pressured and told me, she said, I'm going to do it. And I didn't want to do it alone. So I was like, well, no, I'll do it with you. And... Um, it was so dumb. So that was, I think, when I was 14. And I was like, uh, her name was Sherry. And she was the the lovable one in the hall. You know, I was the more talkative, just goofy one. And she was the goody one who did all the comments and highlighted everything. And so if she was getting baptized, I was like, well, okay, I'm going to get baptized, you know. Um, 
And so, so we told our parents and um, I got baptized in 2009, June 20th uh, at Long Beach, um, Long Beach, LA, California at the International Convention. So they actually filmed me um, walking to the baptism area. Like I, I think I was on the JW website or something. <laughs> and yes, organization yes, celebrity, nice. Right. <laughs> um, and I was, I was terrified, but you know, I that's all I knew. And they already set my whole path for me for my future. And I was like, okay, well, something else in this world for me. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so I, I got baptized and I regretted it that night, actually. Regretted it as soon as that night? Yes, but it was too late. And um, what, I think that's, what, was, that's, what was going through your head as you were regretting it? Like, what, what were you thinking? Well, it wasn't so much of that. It was the fact that that, that night, after we got back from convention, uh, we got back to our hotel and me and uh, my friend Sherry and uh, a couple of our friends our age, we were about 15, we went down to the pool area and to hang out. Um, and then I met a boy that night at my baptism. Um, and he was, uh, I was a month away from being 16 and he was, I just turned 18. And he was just kind of telling me he was slipping in and out of wine, believing it and not believing it. And it kind of made me start thinking and, but, I was like, no, no, there's no way, you know, our parents, everything, this, this has to be real. So as the days went on, um, we started growing, having feelings for each other. And that was when my um, sneaking out kind of started to happen. Um, but I would just tell my parents I'm hanging out with witness kids, which, which was true. But that was the point where I started thinking, why do I have to hide for you know, spending time with friends? Why do I have to hide, you know, because I have feelings for someone, which was normal, but the way that we were raised, you know, we had no knowledge of how to talk to the opposite sex or um, what feelings even were actually. Um, and, and one of my most suppressed things at that time period was, you know, being an adolescent and starting to have sexual feelings. Um, I, I felt guilty all the time. I, I didn't know what it was. So what would happen would be at night, say I'm, you know, trying to go to sleep. I didn't have sexual fantasies because I didn't understand what those were, but I would feel bodily urges, but I didn't understand it. So what I would do is I would lay in bed and I would start praying and saying, I don't know what this feeling I'm feeling is. And am I doing something wrong? Am I sinning? So I would start crying at night um, in my teen years when, you know, the normal word for that was just, I was horny. <laughs> yeah, plain and simple. Um, yeah, but, you know, we, we were so surprised, and I didn't know that, and, and so as time went on, um, you know, I started to, you know, have feelings, more feelings for this guy, and I wanted to tell my parents, you know, he was a witness. I didn't feel there was anything bad about that, but they made me cut him off, and so I did, and that was when my resentment started to form because I didn't understand why I couldn't have feelings for someone who was also a witness. Um, they were just weird about that, you know, and then they started saying, oh, you're too, you're too young, or, well, you're not ready for marriage. And I was like, well, how am I ever going to be ready for marriage if I don't explore my feelings? 
So that was one thing that um, I really wished that we were taught more about, um, as well as I wish that I can help others, you know, from this point on in my life, others that were like me at that age, um, who don't know anything about feelings or opposite sex or what's wrong with me, you know, is there something wrong with my body? Um, is there something wrong with my, my thoughts? And to feel guilty for thinking completely normal things, it really does affect you later on in life. For sure it does. And there's a, a really interesting thing I've noticed, which is the, the intention, or at least the, the thing that witnesses say about all these very strict rules, I even say the disfellowshipping thing, which we might get to later, but uh, all, all of those things, the very strict high standards is that we, we have these standards to keep the congregation clean. But the effect of that is that people like kids, like we were growing up, feel so paranoid. It's like we're always looking over our shoulder and thinking, oh, can I say this? Can I admit to this? Am I going to get in trouble? Am I doing something wrong? That we very quickly start leading a double life. Whereas I will show this face of being very Christianly and very well behaved. And then in our own minds and our own hearts and our own side lives, we, we learn very quickly to be two faced. At least I found that for myself. So the, the intention of, Hey, this keeps the congregation a good place to be. Thought, well, actually it probably just makes it a very two faced place to be where people are hiding mm -hmm. who they really are. I don't know if you can relate to that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I um, I myself and many others all live double lives and and it's a horrible way to live and when when you are living that life you know they they tell you that it's the most horrible thing you can do and that you know you're not going to make it to paradise because god knows what you're secretly doing but what we're quote unquote secretly doing is just socializing we're spending time with friends we're yeah. you know going out to see to see a, a holiday movie. I remember when um, myself and a group of witnesses went to go see um, Princess and the Frog, which yeah, the Disney movie that came out in theaters. And I was really excited because, you know, we grew up on Disney movies and we get there. And I guess close to the beginning, they started talking about um, the friends on the other side. So they were talking about the occult and stuff. And, and, the, the main guy there who was a um, minister or servant, of course, looked at all of us and was like, okay, we have to get up, we have to leave. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we just got here. And this is a kid's movie, you know, and it was embarrassing. And it's just always situations like that, where that was just one of many times I've had to get up from a movie to leave um, because of the teachings that we were taught that we can't watch certain things. Um, and we had to sneak out to watch certain things or do certain things. And because of other people's consciences as well, is what I noticed. It's, it's nothing about our own unique feelings or our own conscience or our own relationship with God. That's what you get told. But what the reality is, is like, hey, if the people around you don't like what you're doing, then, then you know, you don't be like that that nail that the nail that sticks out gets hammered. So, you know, you just you just stand stand in line and don't stand out at all. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just situations like that are just so embarrassing because I remember after we walked out, we had to go to the front and we had to ask for 10 tickets to be refunded. 
you know, we already sat down, we already bought the food and everything, and they really asked for 10 tickets to be refunded because, and our reasoning was, oh, because of our religious beliefs, we can't continue watching this movie. Um, and even though this is a very minimal situation, but it, it does play a big part in, in, in our thinking um, later on in life, because to this day, I still feel that I'm too afraid to watch certain things uh, because I, you know, they tell you, oh, Satan's going to come get you if you watch this or if you talk about this, if you look this up. It's a lot of fear implemented in us. And I, I really just, you know, wish I could tell these people that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to, you know, hurt you. <laughs> mm. It's true how those, the things that we know mentally aren't true anymore. Well, they were never true, but now we know that. And yet the emotions sometimes, it's, it's like the echo of that original thing takes some time to die down. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So for yourself, something I'm curious to, to backtrack to something you said. Um, you mentioned how from the beginning you were a very zealous like Bible student. But something I remember from my own childhood was that Jehovah's Witnesses aren't actually Bible students. They're publication students, which refer to sections of the Bible. So it's, it's like you get, there's the, the publication, which is the interpretation of it. And then it, it sends you to say, hey, look here in the Bible to verify what we've just said. But it's, it's not the other way around. So I definitely grew up very full of myself thinking I'm an expert Bible student. I've been doing this for 20 years now yeah. since I was in the cradle, you know, and, uh, and I thought I was, I was some hot stuff. <laughs> oh, theologically. It's like, yeah, I can debate with anyone. And That's you know, what I thought. <laughs> turns out not so much. Turns out that they missed a lot, <laughs> a lot of really important information. Yeah, I, it's funny because um, when I first met my boyfriend, one of the first things I said to him was, I know the Bible like no one else. <laughs> I was so sure of it, you know, even though I had already left the JWs for six, five to six years, but I was still sure that everything I knew and everything I ever studied was, was correct. You know, I thought that I could argue with anyone who thought they knew the Bible better than I did. I, I myself, I, I read from cover to cover and so I used to brag about that like oh have you read the bible I read it from cover to cover you know and and then only recently now I'm finding out all these truths um facts about the the years wrong and everything and I'm just like wow like what a fool I was thinking that I was so smart when I didn't really know anything <laughs> there's a, there's a quote that I love which I, I've mentioned before there's something like spend time with those who are seeking the truth but beware of those who claim to have found it oh like, i like that one yeah I, I heard that i was like yeah what did we used to call it the truth oops oh i i i, I get so upset that they call it the truth you know because that is such an easy way to to brainwash people like the mm. truth like who's going to argue with the truth from god from quote unquote god <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it, it's in the, the presupposition there of the truth. Like there's one truth and this is it. And there's yes. no, no other thing that can be right. And everything on the outside there is like, no, that's, that, that's wrong. That's lies. It's in darkness mentally and all of that. 
And I think one of the, the biggest things that's just frustrating is that um, it's like if there are 100 historians and 99 of them say one thing about the history of humanity and the one person, the Jehovah's Witness, say completely opposite, but yet everyone in, in the JW organization believes that one out of 100, out of, you know, as opposed to the 99 that have, you know, facts and, and artifacts and everything like that, you know, real proof. It's just, it's crazy how deep this, this brainwashing goes um, with the words that they use and the things that they've changed in the Bible or the, the way they scare people in their publications, like, um, like the letter I just, yes, exactly. Just like the letter I received last night from the local hall, they were talking about how urgent it is because yet again, the world is ending for the, I don't know how many times now, I didn't count. But, um, world's yet again ending. And it's, it's this fear that they try to put into people like, oh, the world's going to end in, you know, in, in five years. So if you don't start changing your ways now, you're going to die forever. And of course, people don't want to die. So yeah, it's, it's manipulation. So I'm curious, what's been the biggest mismatch between what you expected coming into the world because of JW training? Because you, you've been out, was it six or seven years now? Um, I believe by January, by the beginning of next year, it'll be six. Okay, so six years. So, so you've had some time to, you know, to explore life and to meet people and go places. So before going into the world, as they say, we have a lot of ideas and a lot of preconceptions about, well, this is what people are like. This is what life's like out there. And, uh, and often what we expect is so different from the reality. So I'm curious what the biggest mismatch that you've noticed was. Mm, let's see. Well, I will say that people are not out to get you. Like they make it seem like, um, they always make it seem like everyone has an agenda that, you know, everyone um, persecutes, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses. And if they were to find out anything, you know, they would just be horrible to you and this and that. And, and I find that to be not true at all. You know, I've met amazing, amazing people, amazing friends, um, super smart people. Um, like like you <laughs> um but it i was it was definitely eye-opening however i will say due to how we were raised in our subconscious thinking i had a lot of self-sabotaging to begin with um right having extremely low self-esteem um not knowing how to make friends really um, not really knowing what to relate to people on besides my own past i would um I would tell people I met kind of about myself uh, and how I was raised, but not really fully understanding myself. So it would create a lot of um, just risks in between friendships because there was no way to bond with them. Uh, and that also went into relationships. Um, I had several relationships that ended horribly because I just didn't know how to interact with a male. Um, and I didn't know how to be treated well by a male either. I was so used to being, uh, or so used to not having a voice. I was so used to um, being told what to do that I became this clingy type of um, just super codependent person. 
in these relationships and, and, and in my friendships. And I have realized that now um, over the years, um, my codependence is from the JWs, from always waiting for the next step, you know, waiting to be told what to do. Um, and being a woman, you know, not having a say ever. So with my past relationships, I was abused. I was, um, I was emotionally and physically abused in several of them. And, and I used to think, oh, I deserve it. You know, I didn't really know how to handle it. And it wasn't really until this year during pandemic that I started to reflect a lot more. And um, I am now with my current boyfriend who is very, very supportive in this matter. And he has helped me realize that there are real friends out there that are kinder to me than I have ever met in the organization. You know, people who would never shun you for the worst mistakes you've done. Um, and my worst mistake that I've done that got me to be shunned by my family was holding hands with a, with a guy, you know, and being wow. caught with it. And I was marked because I had already been reproved twice. So at that point, when I got marked, I had, I was still a virgin, actually. I didn't technically really sin, but they treat me like um, I am disfellowshipped. And, and so over the years, it's just constant um, confusion. You know, should I go back? Should I please them? Should I live my life? Is my life, you know, worth living? I have, um, due to all this trauma, I've contemplated suicide several times as well. I, um, I also have attempted uh, suicide once as well um, when I was younger and attempted a second time when my parents kicked me out. So that's definitely one thing I really want to help others on is, is that there is so much more to life out there and that don't end your life now because of what we've been through. Because I think about this all the time. If I had died the first time I attempted, I would never have found this truth. I would never have found the community I have now and my friends and, you know, this loving relationship I've been. So, yeah. I'm just now. No, no, that's a really important point because so many people, when we're leaving or being thrown out of a situation where so much of our lives has been um, predetermined, it was decided for us, then it's like suddenly, well, I've lost everything. I've lost, you know, my sense mm -hmm. of purpose, my sense of self. And it can feel like such an overwhelming loss. It's like, well, how do I recover from that? And a lot of people do try to, or not try to, but a lot of people do try to take that path. And it's, it's just so sad because like you say, it's so avoidable and it's, it's a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem is how I've heard mm -hmm. it described. Yes. And I always like to think about well, I'll, I'll ask you because I'm interviewing you. So what would you say if, for someone who's listening? Let's say someone's listening and they're, they're in that kind of place where they're confused, not knowing how to make sense of themselves or life. And they're, they're questioning, well, should I just, you know, press end game right now? What would you say to someone in that place, having been there yourself? Mm. See, I would say that before, before you even, you know, attempt to take that step, like, 
really just looking yourself and understand that if you're upset about your parents, you know, disowning you or the congregation, which what was which was what I was very very um, disheartened by. But I had to come to terms with. I have my life, and regardless if this religion, if that was even real, I and I told myself this before I even realized it wasn't real. But I told myself, um, regardless if there's really paradise, I still deserve happiness in this lifetime before that lifetime, and. And if I am not happy in that organization, but yet God is one of love, and if God is all-knowing, he would want me to be happy, and he will want me to continue living my life that he gave me if there is a God, you know? So my relationship between God or a higher being is between me and that higher being. And so don't let what others say that you should do or shouldn't do, or if you should be in this current, in this organization or not affect your relationship with the universe or you know or spirituality that's what i've learned over the years is that i i'm not too sure if there's a god actually but i believe in spirituality i believe that the universe does take care of us um if we allow it to and i say this because um i've been doing the deprogramming boot camp and i'm learning that that you know we are the only ones who can who can save ourselves and yeah. that you know um our relationship with a higher being should be between me and them or him it i shouldn't let someone a human um let's see a human directed organization tell me how to live my life or tell me that i should be shunned or make me feel that i am unloved you know um by these imperfect people yeah. Bottom yeah. line is don't let imperfect people get you to the point where you want to take your life because I really truly thought that that's what I wanted. And I, I would cry all the time and say, why don't my parents love me? Why don't they want me? You know, um, I've known my congregation since birth and why don't they care? When I attempted suicide the first time, no one came to check on me and said I got in trouble for it. Yep. And I was yelled at for doing something shameful and putting reproach on God's name by attempting suicide. But did anyone ever ask what my mental state was? No, you know, um, mental health. That's another yeah. thing that this whole organization does not touch on. No one talks about mental health and they just say, oh, God will fix it in a new system. Yeah, that's the, that's the scary thing is the lack of compassion obviously not every single jw but largely and especially in in terms of the policies and in in just the way things are handled it's it's an inhuman kind of way of mm -hmm. uh, of looking at things and my go-to response i'm not a very nice person to talk to to certain kinds of people <laughs> but with the with jehovah's witnesses i find if they the first port of call is very much like judgment and it's, it's hatefulness and well these people they're so stupid they're going to be struck down and killed at armageddon it's like that's christ-like that's very uh, <laughs> that's just so genuine i i love how you know the whole love thing it's mm -hmm. so clear in everything you've just said and and they tend to look sheepish because like you've just said 
it's that that's another case where what's preached about what's going on in the world is different to what's going on in the world just like what's preached about inside the congregation is different to what's actually happening inside the congregation yeah and um one thing that I, I definitely would say um to keep in mind because my biggest issue was was my relationship with my parents more so than my relationship with the congregation because for yeah. me at least at this point in my my life if I never talk to anyone from from there again I'm completely fine with it but it's my parents because you know they are technically are obligated to to love me as normal humans are yeah but I had to come to terms with that each person in on this earth is on their own journey and if they choose to be on that journey and if I you know say my part and they choose to not listen or believe me or they say whatever to me that's that's on them and I did my part by being honest and so that's the biggest thing I would say is, is looking yourself and be honest with yourself because that's what I'm doing right now and coming to terms with the fact that I may never have a normal relationship with my parents but this is their choosing as you know this journey for us is our choosing and for all we know we really don't know what's out there <laughs> but at this moment you know i'm really hoping i can get them out but if they're happy you know doing what they're doing and if what i say isn't going to change their mind then i'm going to have to leave it at that and continue living my life because I mean, unfortunately, who's the one with more life to live right now? It's, it's me. I haven't lived it yet. They they decided on their own to join this organization. Um, but you and I who are born into it, it, it was never fair for us. This was never a choice. And so and so I'm choosing, yeah, that choice, that choice now. And how does it feel saying that? Because once upon a time, that would have been you know, you'd have washed your mouth out with bleach rather than say that. So, so now being empowered to say that, how does it feel? Uh, well, I am not afraid of being struck with lightning anymore by saying that. So that's relieving. It's a good start. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a good start. Uh, it's, it really is empowering to, to say that, to feel like an adult, because I, I realize with witness parents, they, they treat you like a child forever. Um, you know, most parents do that anyway, but especially with JW parents, they treat you like that because they believe they know all. And and I, I don't blame them because when you and I were very into this religion, um, we thought that no one could argue with us. And, you know, so. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember one time I stayed up. Um, I stayed up until about 5.30 in the morning. I had work at 8.30. Oh, I stayed up until 5.30 arguing with someone over text um who was saying that they were thinking of leaving and uh, i was like no you're not and I, I was just like a like a pit bull just going <laughs> after them and and it was it was so dumb but it was um it was actually the person who i ended up getting technically disfellowships for the first time so, so i was i was i was naughtily behaved and, and they didn't approve at all but I, even though I knew that was the path that we were on, because there wasn't any, I sure as hell wasn't going to marry her, but I knew that that's the path that we were on. 
when she said about leaving the religion and saying she didn't believe it anymore, I was so like, nope, that's a red flag. And I just shot it down until 5.30. It was not a good look. Yeah, no, I, I completely relate because um, when, so Sherry, the my friend growing up, who, who got me to get baptized first, yeah. who left first? She left first. <laughs> she started fading first and... Um, because I think she got influenced by her, uh, she was in high school, so she, by her friends at school. Um, so she started fading and, and I was so scared because that was also my only friend there who was my age. So I kept calling her, texting her and I was like, no, this is the truth. Like you can't like, you're never gonna make it to paradise. You know, I, I was really fearful of, of her not making it. And, and when I think back now, it's, it's crazy because like, if anything, she found life before I did. And um, if anything, my life was the one ending in that organization. But yeah. it is very interesting that how we do come to realize that this isn't for us. And I really hope that more and more people will come to the same, you know. Um, have, you, have you seen her or, or spoken to her since you've been out yourself? No, so that's the crazy thing is um, I've been trying to find her over the years. It's been, it's been 10 years actually since I've seen her. And I think when she faded first, um, I was still very, very much into it. Um, and if anything, I was more so because uh, I was at the time dating a witness guy. And, um, and, and I believe that if I were to study extremely hard and, you know, learn to be the perfect Christian wife, you know, I had it all. And so I, I think that was why she didn't um, reach out to me. She was afraid that I would try to bring her back, which probably was what I would have done. And so she cut me off completely. I, and I haven't seen her since, but I am hoping that maybe uh, one day in this group, I, I do often try to look at names to see if I recognize people. So who knows, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it'll be interesting to touch base the other side of it with other people who we were in it together with and and yet we've come out and comparing notes kind of like we're doing today because e even though we never met while we were in we both have very similar because of the nature of it right we can ex um what's the word like we, we experienced basically the same things so once you come out the other side it's like oh yeah that we, we know that we know that sister at the hall who gives the five minute answers and coughs 20 times throughout oh. Zoom, you know long answers i hated those <laughs> you know my favorite this isn't relevant to anything but it's funny um there's this uh, lovely lovely lady auntie eileen and uh, and she was just a very sweet old lady but she was funny and she was uh, her husband who died he was called walter and we had a new circuit overseer and so he was up there and he asked some question and she put her hand up and said well when me and my walter were dating we uh, did something or other, and that was the point. But then she continued. She says, well, we were, we were in this boat once, and we were going down this canal. And, uh, and well, the, the boat got stuck under some trees, and, well, you know how it is when you're dating. You do some naughty things. And, like, this, <laughs> the whole hall is stifling laughter, and the circuit overseers up there trying to keep a straight face. And we're like, oh, God, Auntie Eileen, no. She was, like, 80. It, it was just not... <laughs> It said she was 80. It didn't matter anymore. Yeah, she's like, nah. 
we'll give them the mental image. We'll see how they like it. Of an 80-year-old woman? <laughs> well, when you've been in the organization for long enough, you, <laughs> you'll take what you can get. So, <laughs> okay. oh, good. before this degrades into smut. Um, Supposed to be so, encouraging people here. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to be able to laugh at it, right? Yes. So, so when you think back to, think back to yourself, I always like to think where if you imagine looking back in time where you're like watching yourself in the process of leaving and in the process of figuring it out and like you say, figuring out just actual adult relationships and how to connect with people and how to be treated right. What would you, if you had a time machine, what would you say? I'm a charger for my laptop. Cool. No worries. If you had like a time machine and you could speak to that younger version of yourself, what, what would that younger version need to hear or what would you want to say to them that would have really made a difference? Ah, okay. So what I would say for one is if I could talk to myself, I would tell her to not, to not be sad because my parents don't love me because I feel like that was a huge thing was this um, wanting this affection from the, my parents and after they they abandoned me and just this resentment I am now realizing that they don't know better because they have this this programming they have this this way of thinking that's implemented by this organization and so what they do they believe is out of love and but and that's their choosing and if that's what they choose and that's what they feel is right at this moment you know i'm going to let it be instead of letting myself constantly feel emotionally dragged down every day um, because it was affecting my everyday life i would oftentimes just start crying in the middle of the day about just about it so i would tell myself that you know it's okay to be sad but know that it's 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 their programming and that um and that the wonderful thing about subconscious programming is that we can undo it, which is what, you know, us, ex, you know, um, XGWs are trying to do right now. Um, another thing I would tell myself is to not be afraid that you won't have anyone. I was so afraid that when I went into this world, I would be completely alone. And, and for a while, I really thought I was um, until I found this community. And I'm realizing that not only am I finding friends, I'm finding the biggest support from people who've been out way longer than I have, who have already healed themselves and want to heal others. And so right now, that is my, that's my goal. That's what I really want to do is to what you guys do, join you guys, help others, you know, really just be um, an activist for this. Yeah, it's interesting that, as you mentioned, right from the beginning, when you were a little girl, the thing that really lit you up was helping people as far as you knew how, right? You were like, I really love my teacher, or I really love, you know, my friends or whoever, and I want to help them. And you found the best way you knew how at that time, which was you know, to preach from the Bible. But at the time, from a child's perspective, like that was the best you could do to and to to try and help someone and so now it's almost like you've you've found a way to connect back with that that core um 
like desire of yours to help people and to be able to encourage and give people what they need to make their lives better. And I find it interesting. Like, does that seem accurate to you or do you think I'm off the mark or? Yeah, no, it's, it's accurate. And it's, it's very interesting because um, I never really came to this conclusion until we're talking about that right now. You know, I never connected the two. Uh, but maybe, you know, we just love saving people. That's what we're told is to, to help others. And, and this, you know, brotherly, sisterly love that we grew up learning about was twisted in that organization. But we can still use that type of love in this world to help people who are just like us. And, and I'm also finding out now that, you know, the JWs weren't even the only cult. There's, I never knew there were so many. You know, yeah. I, I was so oblivious to anything outside of the organization yeah yeah um i was gonna ask you something really profound <laughs> okay. and and now it's just like shot out of my mind like a rocket um give me a second oh yeah take it this happens to me all the time <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> i have these moments of flow and then it's like um brain fart okay i've got it the reason I tap the mic is so that when I do the audio editing, I know to it shows up as spikes so I can just focus in there and, and I can find errors more easily. Oh, wow. Top tip for if you ever have to do something similar. So my question for you is one of the big things as, uh, as a part of leaving, there's getting over the past, there's that part of it but there's also finding ourselves there's finding who we really are what we really care about what our talents are and the the things that we're interested in and would like to pursue more of so how how have you found that part of the journey and obviously you're you're still like fairly young yourself so there's there's plenty to explore but how have you found that and uh, and what are you discovering see what I actually, um, I've always liked writing, you know, I, I've always been um, a very poetic person, maybe because of all the reading and writing we grew up doing so, so much reading and writing. But um, when I was in middle school, actually, my parents found my, my diary, and they opened it and read it. And I, horrible. So at the time, I was going through my um, adolescent phase, you know, listened to punk rock and I wrote some poetry about feeling sad, etc. And they, I got in trouble for that, you know, because they said that God doesn't like these kind of stuff and they threw away my Linkin Park CD. It's horrible. You know, rock music was obviously a sin as well to them. Wow. <laughs> so now that I'm, I'm older, um, and I actually stopped writing because I'm of that, you know, like, I was so afraid to do anything that I felt was a hobby or a, a possible talent. And, and now that I'm out, I, I really wonder, is there a talent that I have? You know, I've been thinking about writing again. And uh, now that I'm older with my experience, I want to write about my experience. You know, I want to um, write poetry that can help others like us. Poetry specify for people like us so that's one thing a small thing i was been thinking about um my biggest project right now that i'm working on is obviously finding myself but researching um enough information so i have a solid argument 
because my parents treat me like a kid. And if I were to talk to them, I want to sound as factual as possible. So they understand that I'm not just out in the world being stupid. I want them to know that, you know, there is a community who's accepted me. And, and throughout this community, I've seen so many people who found their talent or something for themselves later on in this life after they've left, which is extremely inspiring. Um, actually, two of my biggest inspiration, three of my biggest inspirations is you, uh, Rodney, and um, Cliff Henderson, known as Fifth, the, um, the rapper, who raps about um, his experience as a JW, which is really, really cool also. Um, he told me that he discovered he could he could sing and then Ronnie said he discovered he could write so it made me wonder like is there something I haven't discovered yet because we're so suppressed um, and we're so busy when we're in the organization we don't have time to do anything but preach and study my my entire schedule would be Monday to Friday go to school get home straight from school do homework study for the next meeting <laughs> repeat you know go out and service it was never any time to do any type of hobby. And I feel like one of the most important things um, as a human is that you should find a career that you love, but also everyone should have a hobby they enjoy. Yeah, that creative outlet is... Yeah, which we weren't given any. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this, this idea of, of having all that time where we, we couldn't do other things. And... I was thinking about how, do you know what, we've, even throughout that time, the part of us, you know, if you've got that part inside of you that's great at writing or poetic or, or any other gift, it's, it's been there all along is the way I see it. And that, that part's always been there. It's been paying attention while you've um, been going through things. It's been observing stuff. It's been taking it all in. And so it's, it's like, What's the word? It's, it's been planting those seeds that can still fuel our creativity. So whether it's a hobby or, or a career, we can actually use our pasts and use our experiences just like Cliff did to, to inform our creativity. And, and it's like, that's the, the place that we're growing from. And when we choose to acknowledge it rather than deny it, I denied it for years. I only just came out, so to speak. Mm. Um, when was it? It was like August or, or September this year. Even though I've been doing all this activism stuff on my social media, I hadn't really admitted to it that, hey, everyone, this is what I used to be. This is what we go through in there. And this is what the project is now. And just being open about that gave me so much more depth to friendships and to what I was able to write about and the things I was able to speak about, because you're actually being honest and you're being authentic and and being truthful within yourself and about yourself. So it can really add to any kind of output that we do, whether it's creative hobbies or, or career wise. Mm -hmm. What would you say is in the, like in the immediate future for you now you're exploring further, do you call it further education or higher education in the States? Uh, we call it higher education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, when I first started, I, I'm majoring in communications, or I'm nice. starting to. Um, and when I first started this, I wasn't really sure what to do career-wise. I was so lost. Um, and I was afraid to go back to school because it's been 
10 years since I graduated. Um, I was always afraid of higher education. You know, I didn't know much about it. If anything, I, I just, I just knew, oh, college. That's all I knew was just college, you know, college and then work. Um, and as I've been actually learning in school, I feel like, I feel like the witnesses, they tell you that what you learn in school is so secular, is so worldly, but what I'm learning is really just how to treat people, how, how society works, how propaganda works actually, and it's open another door or window to help me see that the JWs use so much propaganda. Mm. And, and that's the crazy thing is because I, that's my, my only first semester and I've already learned so much. It made me think about that is exactly why they don't allow higher education because what's going to happen when people start critically thinking for themselves, you know, they start becoming like us and, you know, learning things. Um, but for it's a completely eye-opening, which is amazing because now I'm seeing an actual path um, for the this, these six years since I've left. I never saw a future. It was always job after job, you know, relationship after relationship. I I was so lost, and and now that I've started school and I found this community, um, this XJW group, I'm seeing like what you call like a, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of like I feel I feel relieved you know that I'm not alone and that at this point on if I have any questions I have people to ask and and now with this um this major I'm what I want to do is to help other you know people like us and see if we can create projects and more activism you know, to get as many people as we can before they waste their entire life the way that we did. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a a noble thing to do. You know, it's, it's important work and it's, it's life-saving work. You know, if people who are on that fence of, well, should I end it all? And, and we can get to them in time where they just see a message or a picture or a video or hear an interview and they they get that encouragement they need to not take that step and to, to find a better way. Uh, that's, uh, I believe it's, it's a really important thing to be doing and, and very fulfilling as well. Yeah. And that, that's another thing is because when I thought about other career choices that um, I could possibly have in the future, like I, you know, I always thought, okay, I could do something to help people in the world or, something beneficial for others but nothing ever felt fulfilling to me it just felt like okay that would be a job you know maybe i'll enjoy it but it's, it's a job what i want to do is to to help others but also you know make make it a career but like help others so they won't have to feel this type of pain the way that we feel and i feel like there's nothing more fulfilling in life than to help others that you have the same type of experience with. I would much rather listen to, to you and your experience and someone to tell me something um, to help me that doesn't have the same experience as me because there's no, there's no relation there. Yeah. Yeah. They just read it from a book. And... Yeah. It's just like, it's just another self-help book. And, and, you know, we can read as many self-help books as we want, but without really having a real community, like it's, it's a lot harder yeah and creating that community feeling that's that's not just an echo chamber that keeps us in the past and keeps us in this place of being angry and bitter and sad and all this stuff 
where we can actually hold the space for that. It's like, hey, if you're angry, you have a right to be. If you're sad, you damn well have a right to be. But there's also a way forward. And as soon as you're ready to start, uh, to start moving on from the past, there's the support that we need to be able to do that. I recently had to come to terms with um, not feeling regretful of my past because I feel that one thing that drags everyone down or keeps them from moving forward is this feeling of regret that, oh, I wasted these years and wasted my time thinking in this way. And so for me, how I look at it is, yes, I spent, you know, 22 years in that, my, my you know, beginning of my whole life. And, but because of my experience in it, I am able to now see outside of it and help others so and and i you know we we did also have good times here and there i you know i i can't say that every moment was horrific um i did enjoy you know spending the quality time i did with certain people so i do keep that in mind that we had good experiences and we still can reflect on those good experiences we did we did spend these time with with other humans um and and now I see it as this is just the second book of my of my life. Uh, your first part of your life in the org is you put you know a period at it, you close that book, and and you have a second book. Every person doesn't just have one long book. We go through many parts of our lives, and we become many different people in our lives. And now my my project for for myself personally is that I have. I have all these new sources and I, I can be who I choose to be for the first time and I can be someone completely different, you know, um, so I'm on my second book now. So that's my word of encouragement is that it's not the end just because they tell you it's the end. And there's so much more to life than that bubble that we were raised in. Wonderful. That's a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the in the circuit of online activists and when we can be in person we can run events and these other things we have planned so it's uh, exciting and it's 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 good to have you uh, it's good to have you doing this work alongside us as well i'm happy to more than happy to this is wonderful thank you